What kind of coffee did you drink this morning, brother? Seven cups. Seven cups. That explains a lot. Hey, I had an idea we could do ushers and then we can do shushers. Yeah, that would be ushers that tell you to be quiet. You're talking during church. Sometimes with our cattle shoot back there, um, people talking, it echoes out here, and it's really kind of interesting. But in our new building, you can have all kind of space to talk, amen? And I'm excited about it. Again, we're, we're going to be getting some drawings up in the next uh, month or so of what it's going to look like. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but hey, before we start, I just wanted to share, there's always a bittersweet thing, uh, and most of you know, again, uh, from a couple months ago, the Pastor John had been kind of looking for uh, some change, different church, uh, what God has for them. And so next week, uh, he's going to be preaching. It's going to be his last Sunday with us. Um, I know it's a sad thing to start. Um, it's sad because he's my friend. 11 years of what he's put into this, um, but God is just leading in some other directions. There's a couple opportunities. I'll let him talk about that um, next Sunday. But I just want to let you know that we're going to do kind of a celebration. Um, he'll be speaking, and then we're going to have uh, some stuff afterwards just where people can hang out and talk. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to start out with that. And it's, again, it's a, it's a sad thing, but it's always exciting to see God do something in somebody's life that you really love. Amen. And so, again, I'll let him talk on that next week. Uh, so, again, I wanted to start out with that. And so, all right, well, let's get into this. We've been in a, a series called Determined. And uh, I will tell you this. To get through life, you have to have some determination. You just do. I mean, if you have to have a, a good marriage or if you want a good marriage, it is determined to keep your mouth shut most of the time. Right? Or, or to say, yes, dear, when your brain is going, no, dear. Um, but it also doesn't mean that you just say yes all the time. You have to have, there, there, there's a lot of conflict when you put two imperfect people together and expect them to get along. In any relationship, there is going to be a determination that's needed for, a get, for it to be a good, uh, a good relationship. So we're going to continue to navigate through Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Paul's challenging the Philippian church here. Uh, last week we discovered or covered the two things that steal your peace and hope. And uh, did last week help anybody as far as recognizing what steals stuff from you, like what steals your peace, what steals your hope, and, and how, to, how to get away from those things? Uh, we discovered a thief in our home uh, a couple, about a month ago. And the, the item that was, was, I wouldn't say taken, but it was eaten, was a Pop-Tart. Yeah, it'll make sense after I tell you the story. All right, We had these box of Pop-Tarts called cookie dough that apparently don't taste good to my son. And, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to try them. So I, I put them, two of them, because there's two, you got to cook both of them, because if you leave one, it gets bad. Put them in the toaster, and this was like toward the evening, and popped one out, and I started eating. I thought, you know, it's not too bad. You drink cold milk and cookie dough Pop-Tart. It's pretty good uh, if that's all you have for dinner. Very healthy, um, as you can tell. And, uh, and so I, I left one in the toaster, and the next morning we get up, and the, the, the Pop-Tart is outside of the toaster, and it's got a bunch of chew marks on it, and there's crumbs, and right, did... Mom, get up in the middle of the night and have the munchies? I mean, we don't know what actually happened to this Pop-Tart. And so we're like, did you eat some Pop-Tart last night? She's like, I didn't touch the Pop-Tart. And we're like, well, what got the Pop-Tart out of the toaster and didn't finish it? I mean, we left it on the counter. And so we turned to the security system in our house. So my son and I were looking at the security system, and then we see the cat that's not an indoor cat that sneaks inside when everybody's asleep. Uh, the cat comes into the kitchen and then disappears. And then in the microwave, Travis notices motion as a reflection of what's happening on the other side of the kitchen where the security camera can't catch. So the cat smelled cookie dough Pop-Tart, jumped on the counter, disappeared, pulled it out of the toaster, started chewing on it and decided that cookie dough Pop-Tarts are not really a good thing. 
they left. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that steal your peace, and, and it took us to, to look back at what really happened to find out what was stealing the Pop-Tart. And a lot of times in our lives, we have to learn to recognize the thief of hope and peace. And it's not always easy. Sometimes it takes work to look back and say, okay, I was peaceful. What, what, what created chaos in my life? Now, uh, children can do that. <laughs> and I'm not telling you, you just say, okay, well, put them in the garage. That's not the right thing to do when they're infants. Now, when they're five, there's, there's timeouts, right? You know, the, now you can, nowadays, again, threatening with a timeout doesn't work anymore, hardly for kids. Now it's the parents that wish the kids would threaten them with timeout, right? <laughs> when you love your kid to say, go to your room. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Any, any young parents that would just love to go to their room and not deal with it, right? That would be great, but that's not how life works. Learn to recognize the thief of your peace and your hope. And it's a constant battle to battle the two things that steal it, and that is conflict and worry. Conflict will steal your peace and hope, and worry will steal your peace and hope. Well, we're going to get a running start into where we left off last week, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. We're going to read the whole section, and then we'll go back and talk about it as we go through it again. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> what? I wish he just said sometimes. I wish Paul was real and just said when you feel like it. When, you, when, when it's convenient, rejoice. But no, he says rejoice in the Lord always, not rejoice in your circumstance, not rejoice in the conflict, not rejoice in the pain. He's saying rejoice in who? In the Lord, the Lord of your life, the one that died for your sins and set you on the path to heaven. He says, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Anybody struggle with that this week? Was your gentleness evident to everybody? Did anybody have a moment? Okay, good. You're a lot more honest than first service. Okay, first service, nobody raised their hand when I asked them if they had a moment, and I'm like, y'all lying. Okay, I was the only one up here with my hand up, and then I said, how many of y'all lying, and about half the people raised their hand. Most of us had a moment this last week where our gentleness was not evident to all. It was like the wrath. It was like I was having a good time driving until I hit traffic, and that, that seems to be the one that gets me. All right, the Lord is near. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, means goes above and beyond, all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, looking at my wife right now. It's biblical. Think about such things. So I have to practice what I'm preaching in front of everybody. I think she's lovely. Whatever is admirable. Yeah, I can get mushy. So we teach the marriage class, all right? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, again, he's Paul talking to his spiritual children, or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace, okay, and, meaning the result of, and the God of peace will be with you. The title of today's message, if you'd like titles, I do, is this. Why pray when you can worry? First service was much quicker to catch that than you are. As it starts getting it. Why pray when you can worry? Now, obviously, you know I'm playing with you. Why pray when you can worry? Because it's really spiritual to go, well, why worry when you can pray? Because that sounds good. But that's not real. 
How often do we pray before we worry? That's not how human nature works. And that's why I said, why pray when you can worry? Because that's typically the route that we take. Obviously, we know that we should pray more than we worry. But it's human nature to worry, isn't it? Somehow, the way God made us, he made us perfect. We fell in the garden. But there's, there's this thing in us that worries about stuff. And it's not always a bad thing. You should wear your seatbelt, right? You should stop at a red light. Okay, there, there are things, if you didn't worry about nothing, you, it would all be crazy. But when we worry about things we can't control, things that we have no control over in life, that's what will steal our hope and that's what will steal our peace. I have a friend and we have a mutual friend and I was talking to my friend about the mutual friend and, and this friend, and it's, they're both good people, but the one friend sen- tends to freak out a lot, like really quick. Like just, ah! and, and my one friend said about her mutual friend, she said, you know, she lives like her hair is on fire. <laughs> I love that. She lives like her hair is on fire. It's like you hear something and you're like, ah! Is anybody like that here? Like that's kind of, you, you live like your hair is on fire? Is anybody married to somebody like their hair is on fire? Wow, no hands. Has anybody's hair ever been on fire? Okay, thank you. That was a, lot, a lot of takers there. All right. I had my face on fire one time when I was went, going to blow out a marshmallow that caught on fire and it landed on my cheek. <laughs> I ruined a camp out. Um, I learned something. Okay. Go, go slow. Don't go, things fly off. See, it's a pretty good description for someone who gets spun up easily. See, where, what is worry? What is my definition? Worry is doubting that things are going to turn out okay. That's really what worry is. Worry is you're just doubting that things are gonna turn out okay because we can get really spun up about world events or life if we're not careful. I oftentimes, and I've told you this a million times, I unplug our echo, okay, where you talk to Alexa, it's the little thing. I, I just unplug her and she shuts up because she's constantly, and I'll just be straight here because I constantly see information about covid it's always pumping COVID, COVID, COVID. Like, 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 what are my chances of getting COVID? How would Alexa know? Right? She doesn't know what my chances are. I don't, you know, go out and drink out, out of people's cups and you might have a higher risk. I mean, it's just this, but it's constantly pushing. And finally, I'm just like, I just unplug it. And it's amazing how peaceful it is when I unplug it. Wouldn't it be great to be able to unplug those things in life that are constantly pushing negative things toward you? The, the things, you know, oh, it's called a laptop and a cell phone. Actually, it has an off button. Okay, or, or, or people. Wouldn't it be great if people had a mute button? <laughs> you just like, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if children had a mute button? Like, ah! <laughs> You ever watch robots? Okay, you ever watch that show robots where he can actually turn the volume down of the screaming? I, I think that would be a good thing. Do we shut the things off that cause chaos in our life? Things that cause peace to leave or hope to leave because we can get really spun up about world events if we're not careful. Verse six is very important. He says this, don't be anxious about anything, but about everything, prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why is this important? Because what seems like chaos is, this, is completely in God's control. We look at our world and we think, ah, it's chaos, but no, God is the king in the chaos. Okay, it's gotta be chaotic before the Antichrist can take control. Now, I personally believe that we will be gone before the Antichrist takes power, Amen. all right? The mark of the beast is something that you know what it is because he's around. So don't get freaked out if, you know, somebody wants to, you know, put something in you. Actually, no, do get freaked out if somebody wants to put something, if somebody forces to put something in you, all right? But a vaccine, guys, is not the mark of the beast. There's this theory, it's a mark, no, it is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast goes on your forehead or on your wrist and you take it on purpose, 
I mean, if you read Revelation, the, the beast, you know who the beast is. The Antichrist is in power, so we don't have to worry about that. I personally believe that we're out of here before then. Uh, you can believe how you want. I'll see you in heaven, and you'll be like, man, I could have got here earlier, but I didn't. Um, maybe it's according to what you believe. God's like, well, you're a mid-tribber? Well, that's what I, you know, left you halfway all the way through it. Well, you could have been out the first boat. I'm out on the first ship. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going out. Here's what I know. I don't get spun up over those arguments because it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is how God's going to do it. It doesn't matter what I think. My opinion matters nothing when it comes to God's plan. And I don't get spun up over that stuff. And I, it's a crazy argument to get into that people get into stuff. Just be ready, okay? Because he could come this very moment. He could very, again, I hope that nobody's in this place when he comes back. All right. So I want to show you something with, with a puzzle, Okay. Every puzzle looks like chaos when it's lying on the table. Anybody like puzzles, like jigsaw puzzles? All right, I like easy jigsaw puzzles. I like American flags, like things that are okay, this, this can go. I don't like the one I looked at yesterday. It was a fall autumn scene with all kinds of brown leaves with this really beautiful rock bridge into like this park. And I'm like, that would be almost impossible. It would drive me nuts because I don't have that kind of patience, right, for the puzzle. So the puzzle that I got, because my son and I went to Bymark, and I looked at the puzzle, and they were like, starting at $9. And I'm like, no, I'm not spending nine bucks on a puzzle. So I went to the dollar store. By the way, somebody stole my paper plate last week after church. Um, if any, and my two plastic ones. If anybody knows where those are, let me know. Because I've been looking around and go, somebody stole my plate. They moved my cheese. They stole my cheese. Um, so we saw this, dollar six, Okay. And I, and I looked at a couple different scenes, and the other one was like way too complicated. And I, and I thought, you know, United States of America... I love it. So I'm going to get a United States of America. It's only got 60 pieces, probably pretty, pretty easy to put together. Uh, see, every puzzle looks like chaos when it's lying on the table. I get to do this second service. I wasn't going to do it first service. Because Kristen likes a clean stage. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, all right. Now, if that, if that would have all fallen pieced together, put together, I would believe in evolution. Not gonna happen. I bring somebody in here. I don't show you the picture, and you will look at that from a distance, and you'd be like, I have no idea what that's supposed to look like. And here's the problem with, with looking at the puzzle pieces, not knowing what the puzzle is, is you begin to make up what you want it to be instead of what it was intended to be. There's a reason that I got the United States of America, okay? I love my country. It's an imperfect country, but it was started by imperfect men with an idea that there could be one nation under God that serves God, that lives for God, okay? Not sinless, but doing their best to, to found a country that's based on the word of God, on the morals of the Bible, on the ethics of the Bible, on how we should treat one another. And that's why our constitution was written the way it was, by imperfect people, trying to have the best country, and that's why they call America the great experiment, okay? The great experiment. We're a couple hundred years and plus a few into this whole thing, and here's what I'm seeing. I am seeing a, a nation that has gotten away from the picture, and they're trying to make the puzzle into something they want it to be, and that is one nation away from God. That is one nation that doesn't care about God's word, that we just need to live and let live and let everybody do what they want to do for things and be fine. But that's not how our country was founded. Okay, again, founded by imperfect founding fathers, but with an idea of we have a nation that's under God. Amen? One nation under God. So here, here's my point. 
I could pick up some pieces here, and I'll just, I'll just pick up a random one. Okay. Ohio. All right. I have an idea of where this puzzle piece would go. If I started putting it together, I would know it's not on the West Coast. Okay. I would know it's not on the North. I would know it's not. I would know that it's more toward the East Coast. Okay. Why? Because I'm familiar with the picture. And when you're familiar with the picture, you kind of have an idea of where the piece is going to go. If you have no idea what the picture is, you're going to just guess. You're going to drop things. In your life, God has a picture of what it's supposed to be like. And some of you all, you're like, but I want to do it myself. Well, your picture will never turn out right. You see, God has a plan for my life. He's got a picture of my life. He knows what it's supposed to look like. And if I get really spun up about what this, where this piece goes, and I can't, I'm not gonna play it because I can't figure it out. And I'm gonna be like, no, God, as soon as I figure it out, then I'll, then I'll put the puzzle piece where it's supposed to go. We will never go anywhere in life. Right. Every day I view is like a puzzle piece. But I don't get worried about where this piece goes because I have an idea of where the picture is. See, God's word gives us a picture of where our world is going. And we can get spun up about all the things that are going on in our world. And we can think, okay, God, do you know what you're doing? Of course he knows what he's doing. He made the puzzle. He made the picture, okay? I need to stand that up when it had, before I destroyed it. There we go. Sanitized America. Right there. All right. Are you worried about the puzzle piece? You see, you can have peace in the pieces if you will look at the puzzle box picture. And here's what I know that we can be guilty of. We can forget that God has a plan for my life. I can forget that. I can forget. I can forget to read his word and say, well, wait, hold on, wait. Oh, I'm supposed to be peaceful when I'm, when I'm tempted to be anxious. Yes, why? Because God knows how, what it's supposed to look like. Right. I may not, but I have a pretty good idea. When I see things going on in this world and I look at what's going on in Iran and Russia and China and Israel, pay attention to those countries. Why? Because they play a pretty big part in the end times. From what I read, I don't see the word America in the Bible. I don't know what happens to us. I'm hoping it's the rapture. Amen. Now, I guess rapture, nuclear attack, it wouldn't matter. We're, we're in heaven either way, right? But, but I'm not worried about what happens to America, but America doesn't t- seem to be a player in the end times. And we are, this is how prideful we are. We think the world evolves around America. It doesn't. We're just a blip on the little map. All right, we're just a blip in the time of history of thousands of years that God has a purpose and a place for America, absolutely. I believe that we are the most compassionate nation in the world with the, the aid that we give and the wars that we go fight for other people, not always agree with that, but, but we, we say we will help other nations. That's what America is. And so I personally am hoping just for a, the rapture and that's why America doesn't play in the end times. But I don't get spun up with what I see going on in the world right now because I know what the picture looks like. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back for his church. His church is every single Christian on the entire planet. I don't have to worry about it. What I worry about is playing my puzzle piece every day to the best of my ability. I say, God, I may not understand what, where this goes, but I believe that it goes somewhere in this big picture you're making called my life. And I want to do the best possible uh, thing that I can to be the picture that God wants me to be. So understand this. Understand that life will have confusion, okay, and days and events that don't make sense. And this is where faith and trust come in. You ever have the weird peace in a difficult situation? You ever have, you're like, I should be freaked out right now, but I'm not? Come on, give, give, me, give me some love here, right? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to lie to me, but lie to me, all right? Because maybe it'll come. I, I've had those moments where I should be freaked out, but I'm not. 
I should be like spun up. My hair should be on fire or what's left of it. And, and it's like, why do I have this peace? It's the Holy Spirit in you. Holy Spirit in you. You see, I saw my dad one time. He's probably listening. I saw my dad almost crash his airplane um, where I grew up. I grew up in the mountains, and he had built this, this basically dirt airport on the side of the hill we lived on, uh, just big trees. I mean, we lived in the, out in the boonies. And, and one day he come flying in, and I went outside to, to say hi when he got in, and, uh, and his plane wouldn't go down, but he had a headwind that was keeping his plane up in the air. And you got to understand, this isn't just a big flat desert. This is mountains. And in front of the air, airstrip was trees in this big ravine, um, and we were way, way up in the mountains. And I saw my dad trying to land the plane, and it wouldn't let him. The wind was just holding him up, and, and then he gunned the engine, and I watched as he disappeared down into the valley, and I just knew he was going to crash. And it just scared me, and somehow he came out of it, and I was like, whoa. I mean, it was amazing, and he came back, and he landed, and I said, Dad, was that, did that scare you? Because I was freaked out. He said, I didn't have time to be scared. He didn't have time to see because as a seasoned pilot, he reacted and he had to actually lift his wing over a big fir tree to, to avoid hitting because it would have spun him and probably killed him. He didn't have time to be afraid. And there's a lot of times in our lives that we need to trust God that fast when we're in a situation that we don't even have time to not have faith. It's like, no, I knew God had, it was God or nothing. It was God or I was going down and I'm gonna choose God over my, my freezing of what do I do? A lot of times we say, well, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Instead, we just need to do what God's word says when we're in that situation, okay? And fortunately, it, it all worked out, but it sure scared me to see that happen. See, God has a purpose for what he allows, okay? That could be a controversial statement and you could say, well, why has he allowed all kinds of things? Um, there are things that happened in your life that, that God wished didn't happen, Okay, there's some of you who have experienced tragedies, things that you were abused, things that happened in your life, and you could look at that verse and go, what do you mean by that? What, what I mean is, is God has to allow people to make choices, okay, because he made us as people of choices, and, and he doesn't like a lot of the choices evil people make. But here's what God can do. God can take what happened to you and give you a purpose to help somebody else through it. That's what I really believe. Our tragedy really isn't for us. Our tragedy is to help somebody else through the tragedy, we need to let people know that there is hope, that you can get over certain things that happen to you. And some battles, again, obviously take more work than others. But here's the deal. Some things we will not understand the side of heaven. Hear me on that. Some things we won't understand the side of heaven. But I have to be okay with not understanding some things. I have to be okay with that. I have to understand I'm looking at the pieces all over and going, God, this doesn't make any sense. God, this, God, this doesn't make sense to me. And God would say, it doesn't have to make sense to you. I, I know the picture. I know what your life is going to look like. So son, daughter, don't try to make sense of it all. You just take the puzzle piece that, that I've given you for today and you do your best to put it in the place and say, God, I, I did the best I could to place it in the right spot and I'm gonna leave the rest up to you. Because eventually, okay, this little piece here, and this is Iowa, it used to be Idaho. When we, moved, when we moved to Idaho, nobody knew who our Idaho was, and then you'd get Iowa. Remember that? Confuse us with Iowa. All right, there's a little barn, okay, which means in Iowa there's a lot of cities. No, sorry, no, I don't think I've ever been to Iowa, right? But I kind of know where this piece goes. Why? Because I know the United States. I don't worry about this because I know the picture. God is not worried about where you're at right now. God is not going, oh, where does that puzzle piece go? I forgot about that. No, God knows the whole thing. All he expects you to do is to play it the best you can. 
He says, God, I don't understand. But God, I don't have to understand it. I'm just gonna obey you. I'm just gonna obey and do what you've asked me to do because the peace of God has to be pursued. So remind yourself that God made this world and he knows how it ends. And the more you believe the word, the less you will worry. The more you believe the word, the less you will worry. Again, back, back to flying. Got lots of stories. If you've been here very long, you know some of the stories. Um, there's two times that, that could have easily crashed and died um, as we were flying. One was a fuel problem. One was we got into a fog bank, didn't know where we were at. And there was a whole, whole, whole miraculous thing of how we didn't crash into a mountain because God opened up a door and we saw this wrecked car out in the middle of nowhere that we knew right where we were at. And it was just this, this crazy moment of, of my grandpa and my dad flying the plane, me and my brother in the back seat. And, and it was... It was it didn't freak us out because okay? we were just the passengers, but I think my grandpa and my dad knew exactly what was about to happen. If seconds, a couple seconds had went by, um, we wouldn't be preaching here today at you. But here's what I know is, is you don't worry about turbulence when you have confidence in the pilot. Turbulence does not bother me. We can get into, I can fly. It doesn't matter. We bouncing around. It doesn't matter because I grew up flying. We actually, my dad made turbulence for us on purpose. He would go into weightlessness and we'd dad, dad, let's fly, let's fly. So he'd seat built up and we'd go up and then he would just dive down and we would float. Yeah, it was just, it was awesome. Right? How we grew up is so weird. Um, we would throw things out of the airplane. Like he'd let us make parachutes and whatnot. And uh, uh, now I'd probably get thrown in jail for something like that. But, but that's what we did. And, and I never, turbulence never got me. Did, did turbulence make me sick sometimes? Yes. Was turbulence always fun? No. But we didn't worry about it. Why? Because we trusted in the pilot. And in our world, we see a lot of turbulence going on. And we're either going to trust the pilot or not. We're either going to trust that God has taken us in the right direction or not. We're just passengers in this thing. We need to be the best passengers we can probably be. Um, probably the worst thing that ever happened with, with going into weightlessness was when we left the can of planter's peanuts lid off. Because usually it was like, okay, secure everything because everything's going to float. And we forgot about the peanuts and so, yeah, as soon as we dropped, all the peanuts went, vroom, we were like, oh, no. But fortunately, because evolution is true, they all landed right back in the can, the perfect place, exactly how. No, they were all over the place. And, of course, we were the one that asked them to do it, so we're the ones that got to clean the peanuts up. All right? So I know that evolution cannot be true. As a matter of fact, when I take clothes out of the dryer one day and when they're all folded nice and neat and in the proper places, then I'll believe in evolution. I believe in evolution when you throw a hand grenade into your teenager's bedroom and it comes out perfect. <laughs> People that believe in evolution have to have a greater faith in a creator. Okay? Evolution is just a crazy way to believe, yet they still believe it. So not worrying, not worrying about the turbulence when you have confidence applied isn't denying the turbulence. Because there are some over-spiritual people who be like, turbulence is not real, turbulence is not real, turbulence is not real, turbulence... Yeah, then what is it, right? You, know, you ever had over-spiritual people, they try to claim something that isn't, or, you know, it's like, that, that's over-spiritual because turbulence is real. When Jesus was walking on the water and then the, the wind and the waves are crashing to the disciples, Jesus didn't walk by and go, eh, hey, turbulence ain't real. There's no waves, you're just picturing it. No, Jesus, what did he do? He got in the boat and then he said, what? Peace be still. Why? Because the turbulence, the waves were real. So it's not saying, hey, there's turbulence and you just don't have enough faith. No, turbulence is a real thing. It's having confidence that in the turbulence, everything is going to work out. Why? Because God has this. That's the benefits of being a Christian other than heaven is that God has this. Now, again, easier said than done, but true none the same. We need to believe that God has this whole thing. What looks like a mess, okay, God says is 
going right on his timeline. It's right on his timeline. It's going to happen the way God said it's going to happen. Verse 7b, okay, what does peace protect? He says this, okay, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, means you don't have to understand to have faith. It will guard your what? Your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Because that's where the battles take place. It takes place in our mind. It takes place in our heart. And I know this, you protect what's important to you. You protect what's important to you. It's almost baseball season, so I thought I'd use a baseball illustration. I know, I'm excited. Get, get to watch some baseball. And, uh, and so as a catcher, which is my, what was my position when I was in Little League, back in my glory days, um, I don't know if it's glory days or not, but, but there was gear that I wore, all right, to protect myself from a baseball, to protect myself from a bat. Okay, there was things that I had to wear. Now, knee protection, okay, this is called shin guards. Now, do you see a problem here? On an average man, yeah, average man, this part actually would go right here. But you got a short pastor, so I have to use, this actually would be all right. My legs are not average. <laughs> you know when somebody tells you something that's completely obvious? It's like, you didn't have to tell us that, but just for the sake of illustration, this baby would protect all the way up to my thigh. Okay, shin guards, what for? People sliding in, baseballs on the ground, bats thrown. This is gonna protect your shin. Okay, the things that would protect things that are a little more important would be your heart. Okay, the Bible says to protect your heart. Why is that? Because the heart is easily deceived. It can go along with so you wear a chest protector. Okay, it goes over your chest, it goes over your heart, it protects it from, again, baseball bats, from baseballs hitting you, from foul balls, a lot of things. If you were to go catch a game, okay, without this, I would just say you were crazy. Okay, protect, okay you could actually get your heart stopped with a baseball, especially if Asher threw it. With me, it might just bruise you, but he would kill you because um, he can throw really hard. All right, that's why he's always on my team. Okay, and we will win the softball championship this year. I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. Um, that was a really weak clapping. Um, that's okay, I have faith for me. Um, we're gonna win, all right? And, and so this would protect my chest, protect my heart. Okay, then you protect your mind. Yeah, you might know what's coming here. The things that kind of matter is your face is from baseballs hitting you in the face. Now, baseballs have a tendency to get by catchers. They have a tendency to hit a bat when swung and come back. And I've, I've seen catchers just get drilled in a face mask where it almost knocks it off, especially at the pro level. You see just, I mean, concussion stuff. So this is really important to protect your face, to protect your mind. What are you doing to protect yourself? Because you protect what's important to you. Now, the piece of protective gear that you can't see is often the most important, Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. We got, we got it. And I just ruined uh, future church barbecues forever. Rich is squirming. Pastor Stevie's squirming back there. Um, sometimes the most important things you protect, you can't see. Okay? Let me tell you what this protects. Well, I don't have to tell you what it protects. I got to be careful with my words here. This is important. You can't see, but it protects future generations. Like, literally. It protects future generations. And I'm not trying to be gross or disgusting, but I am using tongs for a reason, because uh, I, I don't know who this is. Um, somebody, somebody donated the bag and we had gear in it. All right. We'll sanitize the tongs later on, all right? <laughs> Pastor Stevie will throw them away. Um, he actually probably won't touch the tongs, but... Whatever, all right? You protect what's important to you, 
Okay. Why do I use illustrations like this? Number one, because I was a children's pastor first and I know how to get into the hearts of people because we're really not that different. Adults still like puppets, right? We still, why? Because puppets can say things that a human can't. And that's why I do the little ventriloquist things because I get away with certain things with ventriloquism. Uh, But we, we need to protect our future generation and we protect it with the heart and the mind and those things that a lot of times people can't see. Now, what are you doing today to protect the future generation? Are you protecting your own heart? Because you need, when, you need to understand that when you protect your own heart, you're protecting the heart of your kids. When you protect your mind, you're protecting the mind of your kids. As your pastor, I protect you by protecting my own mind and what I think and what I don't think, what I choose to say. You know, I'm not thinking about that. What I don't click on, what I, where I don't go. I have to protect my own heart. Why? Because it protects my family and it protects my church family. We have to say no to certain things because I don't want this puzzle to get all messed up. Now, do we have messed up pieces? Absolutely. You have have pieces that are bent and and, and your whole picture is gonna still look good, but there's some pieces that are kind of messed up and you remember those days, but the picture still looks good. But you protect what's important to you. And this is why verse 5b is so important. He, he throws this in here, like rejoice again, rejoice again, and then his, the Lord is near. He throws that in. Why is that? Because we need to be reminded that the Lord is coming back, that Jesus is coming. Your best days really are ahead of you. They really are. As a Christian, they're the best days that are going to happen, and maybe not this side of heaven, but once you get into heaven, you are going to, to not remember all the stuff you're going through now. Okay? Fix your eyes on Jesus, okay? And, the, and remember the old hymn? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. <laughs> Some of you are so new to Christianity, you're like, what's a hymn? <laughs> Is there hers? No, it's H-Y-M-N. It's, all right, it's not a gender. It's a, it's a style of music. All right. The things of earth will grow strangely dim when our eyes are on Jesus. My grandma, who is in heaven now, rejoicing. And I want to tell you something. My grandma is not disappointed. There is not one person in heaven today that is disappointed in where they are. There is not one person in heaven that wished they could come back. Matter of fact, they're waiting for you. There's not one person that gets to heaven and go, ah, huh. Preacher lied to me. This isn't very good. Can I go back for a while? I don't think there's anybody that gets to heaven and goes, can I go back for a while, God? Because this just isn't all that. That pastor told me, man, if I served you, that everything would be great. But this is just kind of bland. Can I go back? Not one person, guys. Not one person that if you could escort your loved one to the throne of heaven and open the doors up, you would be like, wow, wow, I can't wait to get here. Okay, you guys, that's our reality. That's our reality. It's not making light of death. I'm there, so what it is, is, is death is a doorway to something beautiful when you're right with Jesus. Okay? That, that's really, we have to think, because a lot of times, like I said last week, we live like we're losing. We live like we're behind and we're bummed. I and mean, Christians should not be bummed out. Okay? We can be disappointed at things that happen in life, but we have to remember it only gets better for us. In a little while, everything's gonna be fine. And I think that's where the apostle Paul was and he was encouraging the Philippians saying, guys, I know that my time is short here, but I've gotten a glimpse of heaven. Paul had that opportunity. They did kill him with rocks and they stoned him to death, drug him outside of a city. And that's what scholars believe that he had this experience where he actually got to see heaven. He said, I saw things that words, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how good this was. I can't even, I can't even tell you. And he's trying, but I can't because it's so good. He got a little taste of it. And he's telling the Philippian church, you guys hold on. Why? Because it gets better for us. And it might get worse before it gets better, but it gets better for us. 
Okay, Paul knew where he was going and he wasn't gonna let the things of this world really get him spun up because he knew where the picture was and the picture was in the heart of God to say, God, this is, or this is, my, this is the plan I have for you, Paul, and it's gonna be good. Okay? So if you're discouraged today, I want you to think about heaven's gonna be a great place. Okay, reminded that the Lord is near. See, what you're facing is temporary. So again, look at the picture on the box. It all works out. How I view it, and I've shared this before, that the script is already written. Okay, the screenwriter and the director are never surprised at the ending of a movie. Right. You don't have a director that sees the director's cut and goes, oh, that, that's not how, what, really? No, the director and the, and, and the scriptwriter knows exactly how it turns out. I want to show you something. Okay, I had this happen this morning. I was just kind of going over stuff, and I thought, you know, the scripture... That's what this is. It's a script. And I'm sure it's all going to work out. Okay? You can be sure of the script. It's scripture. I'm sure that it's going to play out the way that God says it's going to play out. And that's what keeps me peaceful and hopeful. I'm sure of the script. Okay, God wrote it, and it's not going to change. It's going to play out the way that he says it's going to play out. And let me tell you something. His timetable is always perfect. He puts the pieces where he needs to put them, when he needs to put them. We just need to just be okay with that, that he knows what he's doing, okay? What you're facing is temporary. Reruns do not hold the suspense like watching for the first time does. Unless you live with a jumpy person. <laughs> you ever watch a movie two or three times and the, the part still gets them? You're like, they're like, whoa, just didn't see it. Okay, a book holds no suspense for the author, Take a picture of that. Write that down. A book holds no suspense for the author. God is not up there in this suspense of wondering how it's all going to play out. He knows what the picture looks like. He sees the puzzle pieces and he's not worried about it because he knows where they all go. And that's why verse 7 is so important. Okay? And the peace of God, which again transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a peace available that goes beyond understanding. I was reading yesterday about the story of Moses in the Red Sea where, you know, Moses leads the Israelites away from Egypt and, you know, and Egyptians finally, they start chasing him and he's leading a bunch of whiners and sissies. <laughs> That's what he's doing. It's, it's a nation of whiners and sissies. I probably shouldn't go there. there there's a nation of whiners and sissies that is beginning to happen, Right? My dad sent me a picture the other day that had a kid on a big wheels with a BB gun. He's like, America. That's how America was started. If you had big wheels and BB guns, you know what I'm talking about, right? Now they just take the BB gun away um, and make you ride a four-wheeled thing instead of a three-wheeled thing. Um, let's, just, let's just keep going. But, but he was leading this, this nation of sissies, of whiners and complainers, and we just want to go back. And we, okay, we were in bondage, and they were whining in bondage, and now they're whining in their freedom. They don't know what they want. And there's a lot of parallels between the Israelites and Christianity. They, they whine and they complain. God blesses them and they're like, well, can we have more than quail? Like, I know we prayed for meat and you gave us meat. Can we have some, like, some prime rib? So here's some prime rib. Well, can we have, we're always wanting more, right? And, and, and the Israelites are being led by Moses and, and then they're like, did you bring us out here to just kill us? I'm reading this story and I'm getting all these sermon ideas and Moses is like, you guys are impossible to lead. You're so difficult. And then they look and there's the Red Sea. And then there is the Egyptians. And they're stuck between the Egyptians and the Red Sea and they see nowhere to go. 
And, and they're freaking out. They're like, we're going to get killed. And the, and the Bible says that the angel caused this big fog to take place so they couldn't see, you know, they couldn't see each other. The Egyptians are waiting to attack. The Israelites have no idea. And God says to Moses, okay, I'm going to do something here. You raise your staff over the sea and see what I do. So Moses raises his staff over the, and, and, and the sea all night. The wind blows and the sea parts and they cross on dry ground. And I'm thinking, Jerry, why didn't you just build a bridge? Like, God can build a bridge. Why does he get a part? Why don't he just build this beautiful bridge? Matter of fact, I want like the escalator bridge that you just have to stand there and it just takes you over. Wouldn't that be cool? Why, why didn't God just say, hey, just start walking because in the future, my son's gonna come down. He's gonna walk on the water. Everything's gonna be cool, but I want you to show him how to do it. So Moses, just start walking and, and you can walk across. Why, why did God do what he did to all night long make the wind blow and part the sea? I don't know. But what I do know is God has a reason for why he does what he does. I can't stick around and go, you know what, I can't figure it out. As soon as I figure it out, then I'll obey you. He just said, Moses, I just want you to do something that you've never seen before. And you watch me move. You watch me part something that you say is impossible. Why? Because you've got an enemy on this side that wants to kill you. You have a sea on this side that you can't get across. But God can part the sea. We ask God for a miracle. He does things unconventionally sometimes and we wonder why. It doesn't matter. You got the miracle, right? You pray for a baby, you got a baby. You should have prayed for a non-screaming baby, really easy with a volume control, but you weren't very specific, right? No, we don't get to control that stuff. God will give us what we need, not always what we want. And so in this whole, again, I want to build some messages out of Moses in the Red Sea. That, that here's what I, I thought of, here's a, an idea of what I'm going to talk about. You take care of the obedience part and God will take care of the miracle part. God told Moses, hey, just lift your step. And Moses didn't go, wait, okay, tell me, tell me how this is all gonna go down. Before I obey, I really wanna understand because you can't understand water parting. And all night long, the wind blows apart. It says, I crossed over on dry ground. I want you to think about this. They're walking through. There's probably some really cool rocks and there's kids picking up rocks and going out. And there might be fish coming through and landing on people. I don't know how this all worked. But God made the first aquarium. They're walking and going, hey, look, I don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm, you can't just go, yeah, we're people of God's faith and power we're walking through. There had to be some wondering, like, well, this is weird. Like, baby, you're picking up rocks. Why are you picking up rocks? Because I want to put them on the front of the house when we get to the other side of the sea. I mean, your woman's like thinking way ahead. You're like, baby, put the rocks down. Um, and then she's like, five more minutes. <laughs> and you're like, well, God's going to close the door in three, so we really need to hurry. Um, those kind of things had to happen. They were humans. They weren't robots. They had emotions and they had wonder going, look at all those walls. And some little you know, five-year-old goes, daddy, is that gonna fall on us? And he's like, I never thought about that, but you shouldn't have said that son because you just freaked mom out. And now the wife's looking. Now, they, now she's hurrying. She's throwing the rocks down because there's rocks on the other side. You gotta understand that walking through the Red Sea was something new. And when we obey God, he will show us new things in new ways. And we gotta be okay with that. We have to be okay with not understanding certain things. Moses' obedience took care of both, and your obedience and faith makes a difference in those around you, but you still have to walk through it. God parted the waters, he, he made it dry, but they still had to take a step. Some of y'all waiting for God to do everything for you, that's not how it works. I've had people say, I just need a job, I need a job. Have you applied anywhere? No, no, no. You think Amazon's gonna call you, make you CEO? Like, no, probably not gonna happen, but there is jobs available with stack boxes, Okay. A lot of times we want God to do everything for us and God's just saying, hey, I did, I did my part, you step through this. So how do I get my mind in the right place? Let's land the plane. So you gotta program it to think about the right things. 
Again, what you expose yourself to is what you will think about, and what you think about, you will eventually end up doing. Your mind is really, really important, so your thought life matters. It really does. So if you want peace in your life, here's what you need to think about. Here's the prescription. You've had your doctor visit. Okay, you're having troubles with peace, and you're have, having trouble with having hope. And here's what the doctor's going to prescribe. Okay, your symptoms, okay, here's, here's what you need to do. Here's what Paul's saying. Here's your prescription. If you want peace in your life, here's what you need to think about. Whatever's noble, okay, whatever's godly, whatever's kingly, whatever's right, think about the right thing, whatever's pure. Okay, again, what you put into your mind is what you're gonna think about. Some of you know my story in high school when I was really just into God's word and, and as my junior year where I really started stirring something in me and, and I would just read the Bible, I'd read the Bible and, and as I was reading the Bible, I had living on a prayer. Because I don't know how to sing. No, he actually has a good voice, but we're living our prayer. Take my hand and make it And I'm like, this, this really happened, guys. And I was trying to read my Bible and I had Bon Jovi going through my head. It wasn't Bon Jehovah, it was Bon Jovi going through my head. And and I was like, God, please just take this music out because I really want to focus on your word. And I heard it clear as day. It wasn't audible, but it was in my heart. And God said, you're putting it in there. So I was asking God to take something out of my mind that I was actually continually putting into my mind. And I was like, wow, <laughs> ouch, Lord. And so I began to wean myself off of rock music. So I went to country. God will wean you off things slowly sometimes. And I remember listening to country music and then I was, uh, and this is me personally, I'm not pushing my convictions on you, but as I was listening to a lot of country music, I, I started thinking that way. And it was all about being faithful to your wife and not out drinking and partying and being home on time and being in church. Because that's the theme of country music, right? Um, no, and uh, not all of it's bad. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? This was me personally. And, and I remember there was a point where God said, okay, I, that's enough for that. And I'm like, what? Because Pastor DJ knows music in the 80s was terrible when it was Christian. You knew it was Christian music because it was bad. I mean, it was like just, oh, hey, he knows the Christian music, kind of like you know what a soap opera is. And, um, and it got better, fortunately. And I remember that moment that, that God spoke to me personally. Again, this is, my, this is my story. He says, okay, I need no more of that. And I'm like, what else is there, Lord? <laughs> uh, and, and for me, it was, it was my thought life is where it was taking me. Again, get this clear, I'm not, telling you to not listen to country music. I'm saying for me personally, this was my personal story, that it was creating things in my mind that God was trying to get out. And I'm not saying it's all bad, not all, and Krista hates the word secular music, but what else do you call it? Um, succulent music? Sec- I don't know. Um, all right, but it's secular, okay, non-Christian music. It's not all bad, I'm not saying that. But for me, personally, my story, my convictions, is God was, was moving me away from things that were... Inf- in, I would say infecting my mind caused me to think in a way that was impure. That's just my story, all right? Now, if y'all got convicted over that, then maybe God's dealing with you. And I remember where I was at in the mountains, what I was driving when I felt the Holy Spirit say, okay, no more, all right? And, and that, was, that was it. Haven't listened to music since then. Totally lying to you. Uh, I did, but it was a personal thing for me. But here's what I know, is what I expose my mind to is what I begin to think about. So for me, I had to change some things. So your life will go in the direction of your thoughts. It really will. 
really was. Is the worship team up here? Okay. I thought I saw somebody move behind me. Was there something behind me? There was never something behind me? It's probably my angel. I thought you did it. It was huge. <laughs> All right. Our praise and worship team, you can come back up. We're going to sing, right? Yeah? We're good? Okay. And so um, your life will go in the direction of your thoughts. It really will. Uh, but, but back to being brainwashed. You ever have anybody talk about Christianity or you just they're brainwashing you? You know, with our thought lives, we need our brains washed. <laughs> it's like, it's like what our brains, brains going to think about. But I want to tell you this, is unbiblical behavior should bother you. When we see our nation going in a direction that's inappropriate for Scripture, it's okay for it to bother you. It's how we react to it that's important. We need to react in a loving manner, but we can be loving and still stand our ground. So here's a question um, as, as we bring this home. If everyone in the world acted like you, would the world be a better place? Which day, Pastor? <laughs> Which moment, right? But for the most part, consistently, if the world acted like me, would it be a kinder place? Would it be a more loving place? Would it be a more graceful place? I don't know. I sure hope so. That's the goal. Why do I say that? Because Paul closes with this verse, and it's a dangerous verse. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. That is a bold thing to say. Whatever you see in me, just do it. Because we're not, we don't always want our kids doing what we do or acting how we're acting. Some things that we think we're okay with, we shouldn't be doing because it could cause our kids to stumble later down the road. We have, we have to think about our future. We gotta think about their future. We gotta protect them. I gotta be okay, or I gotta, I gotta be careful with what I'm okay with. So it's bold and scary thing to say when he says, follow my example. My, my story for this, and some of you, if you've been here a while, you've heard it. At our previous uh, church building, when we were remodeling and we were knocking out a wall to build a bigger facility, we were knocking out a wall. We went home for lunch and, and I had my tool bags on and, and I walked in and, and I dropped my bags because I had to go to the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom and my son's with it. He's probably three or four years old. And so I'm going to the bathroom and, and all of a sudden I hear this, bam, bam, bam. And the thought crosses my mind. He has my hammer and he's banging on our new house. Like we built a new house and he, he's, and I'm going, right, what do you do? You're in the moment. And you're like, I, wh- I gotta go, man. And, and so I'm just running in there and I'm like, and he's sure enough, he's got a hammer and he's hitting our new house. And I'm going, no, no, no. And fortunately he was hitting the stud. I mean, yeah, he was hitting the stud because he's a stud. And, and he was hitting the stud and I grabbed it from him. He's looking at me like, but dad, you were just doing it. I was just doing what you're doing. And it taught me something that you gotta be careful what you do in front of your kids because they will follow your example. They don't always know why you're doing what you're doing, but they will pick up the hammer and they will start doing what you do. And that's what Paul is saying. Whatever you've seen in me, whatever, whatever it is, it's godly, do it. But it's a scary verse because if our kids start doing some things that we do, we need to change what we do, okay? So live these things out and the peace of God will be with you. That's what he's saying. Even in the turbulence, okay, that's when you need it the most. And maybe right now in your life, you just are feeling the turbulence. Maybe there's just things that are just rough and and you know who the captain is. You're, you're, You're a Christian, okay? If you've given your life to Christ, you know who the captain is, but it's still rough. It's still hard. And let me tell you something. There's never a time that the captain will get on and say, oh, you of little faith. Will you just, okay? Jesus said it to his disciples, but... But he's not gonna say that to you in your moment in a demeaning way. 
if he says of you of little faith, he is saying, no, you need to believe that I got you in this. He's not pushing you down. He's lifting you up. We can take it wrong. He said, wait, I'm the, I'm the captain. I, no, I know there's turbulent son, daughter. I got you through this. I, I am captain now of your life. I am flying this plane. You're a passenger. You're going to be fine. Don't you dare try to get up and get in this seat and take these things from me because you'll end up in a plane crash. And we have to be able to put our seat belts on and say, I just believe you, God, that you're going to get me through this. Okay, where are you at today? God's gonna get you through it. Peace has to be pursued. Peace must be practiced. It's a daily process. So as far as the cross goes, okay, you will, and let me get you, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I wanna tell you something. I need you to listen to me. I need you to listen to me. Okay, if if you're not what we call saved, there's a heaven and there's a hell. You get to choose where you go. The only way to get to heaven is by asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. That is the only way to heaven. It's not by being good, which is, which is great because I can't be good enough. But when we say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I, mean, I don't understand the whole thing, but I, I believe that you died for my sins and I need you to forgive me of my sins and I'm asking you to. That's how you get saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternity and hell. I think that's serious. But hear me on this. You will never experience peace if you've never received grace or forgiveness. If you have never given your life to Christ today, there's nothing you can do to feel peaceful. It's like running an engine without oil. I promise you, it will fail eventually. Guaranteed. There's no 99% of engines don't fail. 1% of it, no. If you run an engine without oil, it will disintegrate. It will. Stop running. Your life without Jesus cannot be peaceful. Cannot. Cannot. Not eternally. You might have moments where you're on a substance and you don't feel nothing, but, but you eventually come back. To have peace, you have to have grace. And there's a God that loves you so much that he offers this grace to you for free. All you have to do is receive it. That's all you gotta do. You're not signing up to go to a particular church or you're signing up to, to really do anything but get forgiven and get to heaven. Jesus is the only ticket to heaven, amen? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? And if you're here today and... And that's you. You've never given your life to Christ. You know, maybe you did as a kid, but you're so far from God, you have no peace. And you want that peace. You want that forgiveness. I'm just gonna ask you to be bold and brave. And between me and you and the Lord, I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you or point you out. But if that's you, I need to know who you are. I wanna pray with you. If you would just lift your hand up where I could see it and say, Stan, that's me. I'm here today. I need, need to give my life to Jesus. I'm not right. I'm miserable. I have no peace. And I want this peace you're talking about. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision? I'm not gonna take a long time. I'm not here to pressure you. I'm just here to offer. Anybody at all? Okay. All right, I don't see any hands. I hope that means we're all right with Jesus. That every single one of us, the rapture happened right now, we would all go up. Amen. Second question I have for you, and I just wanna, how many of you are facing some turbulence right now? You just need a little bit of help and a little bit of prayer. You just lift your hand. Just show me. You can put it up, put it down. Okay, hands up all over. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for these hands. Just lift it up. And I pray today, Lord, again, that you would have spoken into the hearts, that maybe one phrase was spoken that they needed to hear to keep going, to keep just saying, God, I don't understand what the picture is, but I understand who you are. And I understand that you're doing something great in my life and that the picture is going to turn out beautiful. And we just put our trust back in you. The things that steal our peace, the things that steal our worry, we just recognize those things and we just put them off to the side. And today we will pursue you. And we love you give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.